gentlemen, welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders, which is part of the Edge Sports family. Week 16 and the Fantasy Championships are finally here. I'm hoping that you're still alive in your leagues, or at the very least, you're still playing some DFS. And hopefully I can help out with both types of listeners, because I'm going to go through uh, and preview the matchups for this week, looking at player venues, the forecasted weather, and defensive opponents. And I'll go ahead and get that started by looking at quarterbacks. My favorite quarterback matchups this week include Philip Rivers, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, Drew Locke, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. For Rivers, I know he was definitely struggling earlier um, about a month ago. From weeks 10 to 13, he had a negative 25.7% DVOA and looked like he might be done. But he's rebounded a bit the last two weeks with 25.4% DVOA, and he's thrown for 300-plus yards uh, passing and thrown for four total touchdowns over those last two weeks. So I'm back to where I think I can kind of trust Rivers, and I definitely want to use him this week at home against the Raiders. The Raiders are number 31 in DVOA pass defense, and they increased passing yards and touchdowns per attempt by 16% and 43%, that latter number being the second most in football. All of that serves to jump Rivers from 22nd in my true talent rankings all the way up to 6th this week. I think he's definitely a matchups play for you this week in your fantasy championships. Russell Wilson doesn't really need that help. He's seventh in true talent, but he jumps up a little bit further for me this week, too, at home against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are number 28 in DVOA pass defense, and they increase pass plays by 6%, passing yards per attempt by 7%, and passing touchdowns per attempt by 29%, making him a top-five play. Meanwhile, I actually have Jameis Winston number one among quarterbacks this week. Winston, believe it or not, has outscored Russell Wilson in fantasy this season. Part of it is just passing volume. He leads the league with uh, 4,573 passing yards. That's an impressive uh, 239, that is, ahead of Dak Prescott in second place. So even though he's turning the ball over more than a lot of quarterbacks and obviously leads the NFL in 24 interceptions, from a fantasy perspective, it all adds up to points. Number four at the position this season. I like his matchup this week, too. He's at home facing off against the Texans. The Texans are number 26 in DVA pass defense. They increase pass plays by 6%, passing touchdowns per attempt by 32%, which is the third most in football, all of which makes Winston, I think, a pretty safe start this week, even without his top normal wide receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. For Drew Locke, the rookie obviously had two very strong starts to start his career. A worse week last week against the Chiefs, but that game was in snow. I think this week the weather looks like it's going to be better in Denver. And he's facing off against a Lions team that's number 29 in DVOA pass defense compared to number 14 in DVOA run defense. So that type of workload or that type of defensive quality tends to skew plays more toward the pass, which it does for the Lions. They increase their opponent's pass plays by 7%. Meanwhile, the Lions also increase their opponent's passing yards per attempt by 10% and passing touchdowns per attempt by 23%, all of which makes Locke probably more of a deeper league start, but a start nonetheless in those formats as my number 17 quarterback of the week. And then finally at quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick at home against the Bengals this week. The Bengals are number 27 in DVA pass defense. They increase passing yards per attempt by 18% and passing touchdowns per attempt by 12%. So that's all looking pretty good, but I think there's a little bit of risk here for Fitzpatrick in that there's a 60% chance of rain in Miami with 15 mile an hour sustained winds with gusts up to 20 miles per hour this week. So it might be worth your while to keep an eye on that weather forecast and see if it stays there or if it gets a little bit better. If it ends up raining in this game, I'm not sure I'm going to want to use Fitzpatrick in such a critical matchup. Rain in particular, but also winds, tend to skew work away from the pass and towards the run. So it may be a situation where the the Dolphins try to rely a little bit more heavily on Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin, in particular because the Bengals are a really bad run defense as well as pass defense. 
Okay, next up, the quarterbacks with the worst matchups this week. Those include Josh Allen, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, and, and uh, Derek Carr. For Josh Allen, you know, it's really a shame that he's had such a really rough stretch of of defenses to play in the fantasy playoffs because he's had such a nice season. But he's played the Ravens, the Steelers, and now gets the Patriots this next week in the fantasy playoffs. The Pats are the number one DVA pass defense in general. They decreased pass plays by 6%, increased passing yards per attempt and touchdowns per attempt by 20% and 39%, both top two in football. And Allen in particular has shown really marked passing production splits based on the past DVOA of his opponents this season. That's definitely been the case the last two weeks against the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, And when he faced the Patriots earlier in the year, back in week four, Allen had just 153 passing yards and didn't throw a passing touchdown before being knocked out in the fourth quarter because of a concussion. Now, Allen did run in a touchdown that game, and his rushing touchdowns have buoyed a lot of his, his weeks, even when he's had worse passing production. But I still think that makes this a pretty scary matchup, especially on the road. So I, I'm just not really that eager to start him this week. He's not a, a quarterback, too. He's a quarterback three for me this week, someone that I would try to avoid in your shallower formats. Meanwhile, Jared Goff probably doesn't have the same public, publicity there as Josh Allen, but Goff has had pretty market splits based on his pass defense opponents as well, and he draws a 49ers defense that's number two in DVOA pass defense this week. Uh, the, the 49ers are a little bit banged up right now. They were missing three starters in the secondary last week and, and kind of really struggled there, but... I just don't really see, you know, Goff's options here like Robert Woods as the same type of defensive mismatch as Julio Jones was for the Falcons. So I still think some of the overall trends should hold true. And those overall trends include cutting pass plays by 15%, second motion football, cutting passing yards per attempt by 19%, and cutting passing touchdowns per attempt by 10%. Meanwhile, in general, Goff has scored 4.7 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road since the start of last season. Only Drew Brees, Mitchell Trubisky, and Sam Darnold have had higher splits among full-time starters. So with Goff here on the road against a defense that tends to be high quality against the pass, I think I'm going to try to avoid him too this week. He's also a quarterback three this week for me. Now Patrick Mahomes is still a quarterback one and pretty much always is. In fact, more often than not, he defies the typical odds you see for quarterbacks in terms of home road, against the weather, against tougher defenses, all of those types of factors. But I think it is still worth mentioning that Mahomes is facing bad context in all three phases. This week, on the road against the Bears, the Bears are the number seven DVOA pass defense. They decreased passing yards per attempt by 8% and passing touchdowns per attempt by 37%. That's the third most in football. And this Sunday night football game is going to kick off at 36 degrees Fahrenheit and probably just get colder over the course of, of time. So again, three tough situations here for Mahomes to deal with. And so he may be more of a back-end quarterback one than his typical spot near the top of the list at the position. Meanwhile, I'm really going to try to convince you here that you actually should bench Drew Brees. It's probably going to be a pretty tough t- uh, test for me since Brees has thrown for 656 yards and nine total touchdowns over the last two weeks. But both of those games came at home where Brees has always been exceptional. He's definitely been exceptional at home this season, averaging 333 passing yards, 2.8 passing touchdowns, and 24.7 fantasy points per game at home this season. But Brees has not been nearly as good on the road, throwing for just 150 yards per game, 1.3 touchdowns per game, and producing just 10.6 fantasy points per game on the road this season. That 14.1 point fantasy point uh, home advantage this season is five more than every other quarterback. And obviously that's probably you know limited by small sample size for just a single season. But Brees has shown pretty marked home and run splits over the course of his career. Since the start of 2016, he's averaged 22.0 fantasy points per game at home and just 16.4 on the road. As such, 
I actually have Breeze as sort of a back-end quarterback, too, this week. Maybe he's he's hot, and so maybe he wouldn't be quite that bad, in particular since his road opponent and the Titans are more neutral as a pass defense, both by DVOA and by passing yards and touchdowns per attempt. But Breeze still isn't on the top of my list of players that I want to start this week. I think they're players with better matchups that you can take advantage of to help you out in your fantasy championships. And then finally here at quarterback, Derek Carr on the road against the Chargers. The Chargers are another team that aren't necessarily a great pass defense by DVOA. They're number 19 uh, in that respect, but they do cut pass plays by 17%, which is the most in football. And so that's something that's probably going to dot Carr a little bit more in fantasy than you would sort of read that as a reality matchup for a quarterback. Meanwhile, Carr is another player that has more extreme home and road splits. He's averaged 3.0 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road since the start of last year. Might be a a quarterback that it's safer just to sit this week, even with him getting Hunter Renfro back, it looks like, in his passing game. Okay, let's move on to the running backs, where the best matchups this week include Marlon Mack, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Freeman, Patrick Laird, and Mark Ingram. For Mack, he gets that best uh, running back matchup at home against the Panthers this week. The Panthers still number 32 in DVA run defense. And they increase rushing yards per attempt by 20%, the most in football, and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 144%, by far the most in football. I think Mac scores at least one touchdown this week. Definitely somebody that I want to put in my DFS lineups. I have him top five at the position this week, even though he's normally more of a running back two, unlike last week, Chris Carson, who I normally have as a running back one in general. Next up, Joe Mixon. He's on the road against the Dolphins, that matchup that I mentioned before, talking about Fitzpatrick. Um, the, the Dolphins are the number 29 DVOA run defense, and they increase run plays by 18%, tied for the most in football. In particular, if it ends up raining or, or windy this week, the Bengals may have a similar strategy, trying to rely a little bit more heavily on the run, and Mixon is more obviously that guy. Meanwhile, even though the Bengals have been very bad this season, Mixon has really turned it around in fantasy, averaging 17.6 PPR points per game since week 10. That's the sixth most at the position. So I'm not super scared of his offense, in particular facing off against another bad team in the Dolphins. I think he's going to be pretty productive this week. Meanwhile, across the field, Patrick Laird, I think carries a little bit more risk. He actually saw more of a split workload with Miles Gaskin last week than anticipated. He had 12 carries versus nine for Gaskin, and both players played 48% of the offensive snaps. Although that said, Laird continues to be more involved in the passing game, and drawing this plus matchup against the Bengals, number 27 in DVO run defense, and increasing run plays by 18%, tied for the most in football, it could still be a run-heavy day that makes Laird enough of a boost to use him in fantasy as more of a running back to or flex consideration. Uh, Saquon Barkley, another plus matchup here on the road against the Redskins. Probably doesn't need it, but the Redskins are probably a better fantasy matchup than a real matchup for the run. Number 24 in DVA run defense, but they increased run plays by 17%, just behind the Bengals and the Dolphins there in that respect. And then Devontae Freeman draws a really nice matchup at home against the Jaguars. They're number 31 in DVA run defense. They increased run plays by 7%, rushing yards per attempt by 13%, and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 39%. So not quite what you would get there facing the Panthers, which is 144% boost for touchdowns, but still the third most in football. So pretty good matchup here for Freeman, someone I think you can use as a running back too this week. And then Mark Ingram, maybe at that every week start status at this point, given how effective uh, the Ravens offense has been this year. But on the road at the Browns, I definitely want to use him. The Browns are number 28 in DVA run defense versus number 13 in DVA pass defense. And they're, they're good for running back efficiencies as well. Increased rushing yards per attempt by 12% and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 7%. All of which I think makes Ingram a plus start this week for you in fantasy. 
Next up, the running backs with the worst matchups this week include Carlos Hyde, Derrick Henry, Frank Gore, Bo Scarborough, Le'Veon Bell, and Nick Chubb. For Hyde, he's really a player that gets all of his fantasy production on the ground, and so he's more susceptible to the matchups than running backs that are a little bit more every down back type of players. And so on the road against the Buccaneers, I think it's a pretty tough spot here for Hyde. The Bucs are the number one DVA run defense, but number 15 DVA pass defense. So as you'd expect from that trend, it cuts down their opponent's run plays. And in this case, by 17%, third most in football. Meanwhile, the Buccaneers also decrease rushing yards per attempt by 26%. Could really hurt Hyde's efficiency this week and makes him more of a, a running back three or four, in my eyes, as opposed to a typical flex option. For Derrick Henry, I don't think you're going to bench him at this point, especially in November or December when he frequently runs for 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. But I would probably take the under on that type of exceptional production this week, even at home against the Saints. The Saints are the number nine DVA run defense, but importantly, they decrease run plays by 20%, which is the most in football. So even with their more moderate cuts of rushing yards and touchdowns per attempt by 13% and 8%, Henry just may have fewer rushing opportunities to put up his excellent late season numbers this week. And so I downgraded him a little bit to a back-end RB1. For Frank Gore, he's fallen off a lot from that earlier standard this season. Devin Singletary has really come in and taken over all the passing down work and he continues to get more work. He's actually been involved more near the goal line of late. So this week, I definitely don't want to use Gore on the road against the Patriots. They're number seven in DVA run defense, and they decrease run plays by 10%, rushing touchdowns per attempt by 52%, which is the third most in football. Singletary, I think, safe to use because he'll probably be involved in the passing game out of the backfield, but Gore, I just don't think is going to have that rushing touchdown opportunity that he might need to boost himself in fantasy. For Bo Scarborough, I really don't know if he's going to play at this point. He was limited in practice at the start of this week. Meanwhile, Karrion Johnson is actually eligible to return from injured reserve, so it's possible he'll be back involved whether or not Scarborough plays. So there are a lot of factors that sort of chase you away from Scarborough here, and I might be tempted to bench him anyway. He's on the road against the Broncos. The Broncos are number 17 in DBA run defense, but they're worse than that for fantasy backs, decreasing rushing yards per attempt by 12% and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 32%. So maybe leave him on your benches this week. I don't think that's the case for either Le'Veon Bell or Nick Chubb. Those guys are more every week starter type of backs, but they do both have tough matchups here. The former against the Steelers and latter against the Ravens. The Steelers are the number three DVA run defense, and they decrease rushing yards per attempt by 11% and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 62%. That latter number is actually the most in football. Meanwhile, the Ravens, they're only number 21 in DVA run defense, but they decrease run plays by 18%, the second most in football. So it may be tough for Chubb to get his normal volume, especially too since he's splitting time a little bit more with Kareem Hunt since Hunt was activated from his early season suspension. Okay, next up, wide receivers. The ones with the best matchups this week include Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, Mike Williams, and Brashad Perryman. For Lockett and Metcalf, the Seahawks receivers, they're both at home against the Cardinals, which is a really plus matchup for both of them and kind of for every type of receiver, honestly. They're bottom six in DVA defense against both number one receivers and against other receivers, including receivers out of the slot. So beneficial here for both Lockett and Metcalf. And they also increase pass plays by 6%, passing yards per attempt by 7%, and passing touchdowns per attempt by 29%. That latter number is the fourth most in football. So a lot of factors that are benefiting everybody in the Seahawks passing game. I think Lockett and Metcalf will probably be more featured even than usual in that respect. Josh Gordon, again, just suspended for violating the league's substance abuse policy. So one less prominent pass catcher in that offense probably means more work going to the primary guys here in Lockett and Metcalf. I have Lockett as a wide receiver one this week and Metcalf as a wide receiver two. Start both with confidence in your shallow leagues. And at this, this point, Sutton, I think, because Cortland Sutton is probably an every week 
wide receiver two at the very least. I bumped him up to a wide receiver one this week at home against the Lions. The Lions are number 29 in DBA pass defense versus number 14 in DBA run defense. So skewing that work again a little bit more toward the pass, they increased pass plays by 7%. They also increased passing touchdowns per attempt by 23%. So I think good chance here that Sutton scores this week uh, in that home start. And then Mike Williams, I mean, the Raiders are kind of like the Cardinals in that they boost um, both number one and number two receivers. They're actually a bottom four DVOA defense against both. But I mean, Keenan Allen at this point in every week, wide receiver one, this means a lot more to you, I think, for Mike Williams. Williams has actually been coming one of late, scoring touchdowns in the last two games. It was really weird to me that he didn't have a touchdown over the first 13 weeks of this season. And it doesn't really seem like that was a sustainable trend. He actually has 13 red zone targets this season versus those two touchdowns. Last year, he had 15 red zone targets, so kind of the same number he's training toward this year, but had 10 touchdowns last season. He has the sides to be a clear red zone option and a guy that's going to score. So I think the recent touchdowns are probably just regression taking its its part here. And I think there's a good chance that Williams scores again this week against the Raiders. They increased passing touchdowns per attempt by 43%, which is the second most in football. And then finally, for the good receiver matchups, Brashad Perryman, with both Chris Godwin ruled out and Mike Evans ruled out, and in fact, slot receiver Scotty Miller also on injured reserve. Perriman probably going to be the number one option here for, for Jameis Winston. He also draws a plus matchup in that respect at home against the Texans. They're number 26 in DVOA pass defense, increased pass plays by 6%, and passing touchdowns per attempt by 32%, third most in football. Perriman probably has a bit of a floor here, but the rest of the, the wide receiver core behind him is, is pretty... <laughs> unfamous, I guess you could put it charitably. So for me, that makes Perriman a top 10 option in the position because of the ceiling. But maybe, you know, consider the the state of your team, whether or not you want to take a flyer in that respect. Perriman is somebody that I would be considering building a DFS lineup around. I think he could have a good day, even if it's not three touchdowns like he had last week. Meanwhile, the wide receivers are the worst matchups this week include John Brown, uh, Cole Beasley, Robert Woods, Tyreek Hill, and Danny Amendola. For Brown and Beasley, they're the receivers that get that Patriots matchup that the Bills have. Obviously bad in, in kind of every respect for a receiver. They're the number one DVA defense um, overall against the pass and number one against every receiver grouping. So number one, number two, and others, which includes in the slot. So bad news here for Brown and Beasley. In fact, the Pats have three cornerbacks, Stephon Gilmore, Jason McCourty, and Jonathan Jones, that are all three one of just 17 qualified cornerbacks with a 60% coverage success rate based on SIS charting. So really tough for, for these guys to get open and produce here uh, in fantasy. And unlike their quarterback, Josh Allen, they're not going to be running in touchdowns to buoy their fantasy day. So I, I would try to avoid these players this week. Brown, I've dropped from 26th in true talent to 39th for the week. And Beasley, I've dropped from 39th to 53rd for the week. So tough spot here. For Robert Woods, he draws that 49ers matchup that I was talking about earlier Without being that overwhelming physical talent the way Julio Jones is, I think he'll probably have less success and maybe follow the, the broader trends from the 49ers, who are number two in DVOA pass defense for the season and also number uh, top 10 against every receiver grouping, including number one outside receivers for, for Woods here. Meanwhile, the fact that the 49ers decreased pass plays by 15%, I think could be a trend that just leads to fewer passing opportunities here uh, for Woods and the Rams. Maybe a day where they rely a little bit more heavily on Todd Gurley in the rushing attack. So maybe... Woods is a player to avoid this week for you in fantasy in the, in the title games. Tyreek Hill, you're obviously never going to avoid, but he draws that bad matchup on the road against the Bears that I mentioned earlier with Mahomes. 
The Bears are the number five DVOA defense against number one receivers, so even a little bit better against them than overall against the pass at number seven. And the fact they decreased touching, uh, passing touchdowns per attempt by 37%, third most in football, may make it tough for Hill to score. I feel a little bit more confident um, relying on the, the tight end there, Travis Kelsey, than, than Hill this week. And then finally, Danny Amendola on the road against the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos are a little bit susceptible to outside receivers. They're only number 25 against number one receivers, but they're top five in DVA defense against other receivers, including slot receivers. Danny Amendola had eight catches for 102 yards last week, and I think with Marvin Jones now out for the season, he and Kenny Galladay are continue, going to continue to see pretty heavy workloads. I just think against the Broncos, that efficiency may not be there for Amendola. Maybe more of a flex consideration this week, even though at this point I think I would consider him a true talent wide receiver too. All right, let's close up this start and sit with uh, the tight ends, starting with the good matchups. Those include Jacob Hollister, Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, O.J. Howard, and Darren Fells. Hollister's really the guy for me this week. He's at home against the Cardinals. I mentioned them a lot on the show. They're the number 32 DVA defense against tight ends, and they allow 74 yards per game to the position, the most in football. But for the first two weeks of the fantasy playoffs, you probably weren't able to take advantage of that. Vance McDonald of the Steelers faced them two weeks ago, but actually got hurt during the game, into the game with just one catch. Meanwhile, last week, David Njoku, I thought was the guy that you wanted, but he ended up being a surprise inactive, just a healthy scratch that was a coach's decision by Freddie Kitchens. And so you probably didn't take advantage of the fact that his backup, Ricky Seals-Jones, caught two touchdowns, again, taking advantage of this matchup. But just in general, all of the tight ends have pretty much had success against them this season. They're averaging 4.7 catches, 59 yards, and 0.93 touchdowns per game, the primary starters at tight end. And that doesn't even consider um, Rhett Ellison scored a, tight end, scored a touchdown in Week 7 behind Evan Ingram, so that doesn't even get thrown into that mix. It might, it might be more like a touchdown per game to the position overall. And so I think this is a really good week to start Jacob Hollister as a streaming option. I've bumped him up to 11th at the position this week, and I think that even might undersell it. I'm boosting him just one fantasy point for the matchup, and I think the overall boost would be a lot bigger than that if you really got into things and trusted that rather than the regression. So Hollister, somebody you should probably pick up and start this week against the Cardinals. Meanwhile, some of these other guys may be more every week starter types at this point, including Hunter Henry. His fantasy numbers have kind of dipped and buoyed along with Phillip Rivers' production, but with Rivers playing better, I think Henry's in a good spot here at home against the Raiders. The Raiders allow 61 yards per game to tight ends, which is sixth most at the position. They also increase touchdowns per attempt by 43% second most, so making it a good matchup. Noah Fant really seen his workload increase since the Emmanuel Sanders trade. He's at home against the Lions this week. They're number 26 in DVOA against tight ends. And then O.J. Howard, I think really interesting name here. You know, I was talking about this with Rashad Perryman, but the Bucks receiving core, here are just the names behind Perryman. Justin Watson, Ishmael Hyman, Cyril Grayson, Cody McElroy, and Spencer Schnell. I've literally never heard of any of those guys except Perryman and Watson. I think even though Bruce Arians is like adamantly against using tight ends in the passing game, I'm just not sure he's going to have a choice but to rely more heavily on Howard this week. And I think at home against the Texans, it's going to be a good matchup for him. The Texans allow 58 yards per game to the position, and they increase passing touchdowns per attempt by 32%, third most in football. So Howard may be sort of a sneaky back-end tight end one for you this week. And then a little bit deeper, but across the field, Darren Fells joined that Buccaneers matchup. The Bucks are number 27 in DVA defense against tight ends, and they allow 67 yards per game to the position, third most in football. So I think Fells also startable, even potentially in your, in your shallow formats. 
Finally, the tight ends with the worst matchups this week include Tyler Higby, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, and Jared Cook. For Higby, he's on the road against the 49ers. They're the number two DVOA defense against tight ends, and they allow just 29 yards per game to the position, fewest in football. I think Higby is probably somebody that's going to be matchups dependent. He's obviously exploded over the last three weeks with 65.4 PPR fantasy points. Um, But consider that two of those matchups in that stretch were the Cardinals and Seahawks. They're the two friendliest defenses for tight end receiving yards. So I think that probably had a big role in that in that production. Also potentially a big role in that was the fact that Gerald Everett was out. He actually practiced in full on Wednesday. It's possible he'll return this weekend. I think Higby's going to stay on top of the depth chart given his recent production, but I still have him at more like 10th at the position this week as opposed to the true talent based on recent weeks, more like top five. So Higby may be somebody you should bench this week with a matchup. You're not going to bench Kelsey, obviously, but it is a tough matchup against the Bears. They're 16th in DVOA against tight ends, but they cut passing touchdowns per attempt by 37%. And for Waller, a tough one at the, on the road against the Chargers. They're allowing just 46 yards per game to the position, and they cut pass plays by 17%, the most in football. And then Andrews, probably the third of the trio that you're not benching, but still a tough matchup on the road against the Browns, number seven DVOA defense against tight ends. They're allowing just 45 yards per game to the position. But from an actionable standpoint, I think Jared Cook may be somebody that you should bench. I've mentioned how the, the Titans are really more of a neutral matchup. They're actually just 22nd in DVOA against tight ends. But Breeze is just such an extreme home, home road split kind of guy. It's something that affects Cook, too. He's scored about three or four more fantasy points per game at home this year than on the road. So maybe more of a week to sit him. He's more of a tight end, two in my eyes, than his typical back end tight end one production, in particular when he's at home. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and also Stitcher. Best of luck in your fantasy championship matchups this week. Uh, And then, meanwhile, I would be on the lookout for episodes next week into the NFL playoffs. I plan to keep going um, with my start and sit advice to help all of you DFS players out there through through the actual playoffs. Thanks, and I'll plan to talk to you again next week. 